Hello there. You're listening to On Educating Girls, Creating a World of Possibilities, a podcast produced by the National Coalition of Girls Schools. And I'm Trudy Hall, your host for these important conversations about girls. Today, we have an opportunity to meet educators who have focused professional and personal energy on talking about body image to girls in their preteen and early teenage years, a time when girls are bombarded from every direction, from boys, media, advertising, parents, coaches, and even friends about how every part of their bodies should look and feel. There's no denying that many girls contend with body image issues beginning in their preteen years and continue to struggle throughout their teenage years and well into adulthood, often to the detriment of their emotional well-being, their physical health, and their confidence. These two educators tackled the topic head on, convinced that the right messaging at the front end of the process of becoming a woman can have long-term positive effects on a girl's sense of herself in her own body and in her ability to accept herself for who she is, tall or small, muscular or lean, curly-haired or straight-haired. I urge parents and adults who are raising girls of all ages to listen in, as getting girls to feel comfortable in their own bodies is critical to their healthy development, and we need to do this work together, speaking with one voice. All right, girls, make sure you have a kick point to pull the knee. got 10 seconds, hop in. Be ready. You're in your bridge, put your pull, 100 IM kick. Ready, go. What makes this conversation about body image different is that it's happening in a girls' school, a school community entirely dedicated to the education and healthy development of preteen and teen girls. In such a community, there is a surround sound that is possible when all adults come together around common talking points on a given topic. The teachers who we meet today are not psychologists or medical experts but they are experienced practitioners in the day-to-day -day work of connecting with girls on sensitive topics. They're working intentionally, using a number of strategies to create a force field of healthy language to combat the unhealthy barrage that society is flinging at girls from other sources. Girls' schools have an advantage in this arena and they know it. Fortunately for girls everywhere though, girls' schools are only too happy to share wisdom about what it takes to ensure girls thrive. My guests today are from two different Sacred Heart schools within the network of Sacred Heart schools. The unique and visionary Sacred Heart education encourages students to walk in the world applying, quote, intelligent faith, compassionate action, and courageous hope, unquote, so as to be of service in a fractured world. The girls' voices you will hear during this episode are those of the students of our guests, Erica Rath and Warren Perry. Erica serves as the Director of Student Services at Sacred Heart of Montreal in Canada and teaches a class called Personal Development. And Warren is the Aquatics Director at Convent of the Sacred Heart in New York City. Each is far more than a coach or a classroom teacher, however. Both have developed compelling communication strategies they offer to parents and colleagues to address various issues they see their students experiencing. I was nine years old when I started to think about how I looked. Um, it was mostly because 
I started to realize that boys liked prettier girls, and I thought I was pretty, but I was like looking at others, and maybe they didn't think them, like they didn't think of that themselves, and maybe they were worried about themselves. I think mainly in middle school was when I started to think about how I looked. It was、um, definitely a really toxic experience in middle school because I think since a lot of people were getting phones for the first time, they were like. All over social media, and there's all these unrealistic beauty standards portrayed there, and then everyone kind of gathered all these insecurities from social media. I find that being in an all-girls school really makes a difference regarding conversations about body image, because in a school like Sacred Heart, you feel more comfortable talking about your body and don't feel self-conscious about it. Everyone always accepts you, and you never have to feel afraid of what others will think of you. The most helpful piece of advice that any adult has ever given me to help me with my body image is that I should really just be confident in myself. Because if you are confident in yourself, then you radiate happiness, and radiating happiness is much better than not being confident. I think talking about body image and feeling good makes a difference at an all-girls school than a co-ed school. The reason why is because you don't want boys to hear what you have to say. They might be private to you, and all girls will understand what you have to say. Erica and Warren, welcome. I'm so pleased to share this time with you. Thanks for having me. So happy to be here. Trudy, yeah, it's a privilege to be here with you and Erica today. As we talk across the Canadian-U.S. border. I know that even though you work in different countries, you work in a network that shares a compelling philosophy on educating girls. Erica, to set a frame for our conversation, might you describe very briefly what is at the heart of a Sacred Heart education? Sure. So all of our schools share common goals. We have five common goals. They are a personal and active faith in God, a deep respect for intellectual values, a social awareness which impels to action. The building of community as a Christian value and personal growth in an atmosphere of wise freedom, and that's essentially how we run all of our schools throughout living these mission goals and values. And I think it plays a role in everything that we do as a Sacred Heart School and part of the network. I encourage、um, our listeners to take a closer look at Sacred Heart because it really is a, a very interesting environment in which to educate a girl, and they've done a wonderful job of globally、um, innovating within the context of the language that Erica just shared. And, and Warren, I know that your girls' swim team has been conference champions for six years, so you clearly know a bit about coaching girls. Our listeners will be really interested to know what drew you, as a male athlete, into teaching and coaching at a girls' school. What's different for you as you work with a teaching environment that has only girls in it? So, Trudy, that's a question I get often.、Um, you know, I grew up in a family where a lot of our,、uh, a lot of the girls in my family went to girls' schools in North Carolina.、Um, I also, my father and my grandfather attended all boys' schools、uh, in Virginia, so certainly had experience or familiarity with single gender. Uh, schools.、Um, also had experiences working alongside other coaches who taught at girls' schools in Connecticut, North Carolina. They were amazing people, making great impacts, and so they certainly inspired me to look at、uh, single gender schools.、Uh, specifically, in this situation, it wasn't necessarily the desire to work at a girls' school. 
as much as something that Erica referred to as the special environment of the Sacred Heart Network uh, that really caught my attention. Uh, before Sacred Heart, I'd always taught in co-ed environments, um, and I have fond memories of those times, but, but no, there were distractions then um, that, you know, at Sacred Heart, with the girls that I work with, there really is not that distraction per se. They really have a steadiness uh, and a focus, um, you know, in line with that mission uh, both at the school and through their extracurricular activities. And I, I just love seeing that sisterhood. Wonderful. Now, getting to the heart of a conversation for today, Erica, you teach a class called Personal Development. And I know that you're able to teach every single student at the school. Where and how does the conversation about body image fit into that class? And at what age do those issues emerge in your work with students? Great question. I mean, this class is just so dear to my heart. And I I kind of feel that in order to move forward and teach students about what's important, I think I kind of need to look back at my time in high school and realize that adolescence is a really hard time for everybody. And I would say, especially female students. Um, And I remember just struggling a little bit uh, and wanting to have conversations with people that I could trust and maybe not knowing who to turn to or who I could have those conversations with. And so I believe that all students and, um, you know, teaching girls that they need to have those conversations and um, they need to know where to go. And so this course is designed to have intimate conversations, look each other in the eye, put ourselves out there, be vulnerable, tell each other how we're feeling, because let me tell you, if one student is feeling it, they're all feeling it. And so what's really special about that is that it's not a secret. We're all feeling the same way. Let's share how we're doing that. Um, Often, you know, I'll have discussions about body image and peer pressure and maybe the desire to look a certain way um, early on in high school. And then as the girls age, we get into a little bit of a deeper topics, uh, social media comparison, things like that. Um, But the topic is not a one and done and it doesn't start in grade seven and then it's done. It it continues all the way until their graduation. Um, If I hear students talking I might overhear a conversation about trying to diet for a prom or a sporting event or how they looked at a party in a picture. And so I want to make sure to really touch on that if I've heard it in the hallways. Um, and also, I can tell just by their level of engagement. So, you know, if, if, if they're really confident and they feel that we don't need to have this discussion, then I'll put it on the side for a while um, until something comes up. Or if they're super engaged in a conversation... They're the ones that dictate to me if they want to keep it rolling and, and going. And, and so uh, I really hear what they need. It's not based on what I think is right or wrong. It's I'm being in tune to their desires. I'm interested to hear you say something that I know you believe deeply about, not one and done, that so many of these conversations with girls have to emerge naturally again and again and again, that this is a topic about which reinforcement is is key. So thank you for raising that issue. And then Warren, um, as a swim coach, your work finds you at the very crux of the challenge. You know, girls of various sizes and shapes, various phases of development, they're asked to put on a swimsuit and stand with others on a pool deck where it's really hard to hide from view. How do you initially address this vulnerable phase in your work with girls as you get them to focus on their athletic capabilities and not necessarily the way their, bo- the way their body works? You know, that really is the crux of the issue. And, and I love sports and working in sports, especially at girls' schools. But, you know, the swimsuit on the pool deck 
really brings out everything. I mean, you are truly stripped down to what you bring to the deck uh, in those skin-tight suits, which we'll talk a little bit more about down the road. But, you know, initially, I just have to uh, get to the root issue, which is, you know, awareness and shame of the body. Um, and, and, and awareness of the body and any sort of shame that, that is keeping us from owning who we are and loving who we are. Um, and I want everyone to know that differences at all ways and at all levels is okay. Uh, on the one hand, no matter the age, I always try to find ways to validate the girl's feelings and affirm the beauty of differences. Uh, but on the other hand, it really does depend on the level. Um, and so initially at the lower school, these girls come to the pool and they are so fun-loving and carefree. And they jump in the water and they're splashing with friends and just enjoying the pool and the activity. And then we see as the girls get older, they are hearing these messages, which Erica you know, mentioned that she addresses in her classes, that you know, from the world, that the way you look defines who you are. Um, and then we start seeing you know, discomfort in fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, and eighth grade uh, when they're on the pool deck and they're aware of what their body looks like and what other girls look like and the comparison starts to come into play. So, you know, lower school students, I'll keep the conversation very broad. It's, it's just about vulnerability, sensitivities around the pool. Let's just have fun. It's okay if you don't like swimming. It's okay if you don't like getting your hair wet. I know the pool's a little cold, but let's have fun. You know, but then in middle school, I have to get a little bit more direct. There was an article I read on girls' schools and male teachers in particular. Um, and a lot of female, you know, students um, will throw out the issue of female concerns and female problems like periods and tampons, thinking that that's going to make the male teacher uncomfortable. And that's one thing that I, as a teacher, have to be aware of as a male on the deck. But saying, that doesn't make me uncomfortable. This is okay. It is something every girl deals with. Um, and then from that, of dissolving the discomfortable situation, acknowledging that we're all in the same boat. Um, they usually trust and respect me more uh, to be able to coach through that. Erica, I know you're going to want to add something to that. I just love what Warren, what Warren said, you know, first of all, about making it fun. It would be such a shame for a student to not participate in something that has so many rewards, like swimming, um, being athletic or having fun because she doesn't feel comfortable in her body. So I really want to say like kudos to Warren for addressing it and really, you know, addressing it head on because I think um, that it was just, it would be such a shame for, for students not to participate in something that could be so much fun and is so rewarding. And often when it's not addressed, students kind of go back behind the curtain and say, this isn't for me um, instead of dealing with the issue at hand. Warren? Yeah, so, you know, going on from that, you know, I really want to make sure these girls are freed up to be who they are. Um, and, you know, being a Catholic school, we often bring in, you know, writers and authors who can better say what we're trying to express. And one thing that Henry Nowen wrote once that I, I try to tell the girls as they get older is that community is like a large mosaic. Uh, each little piece seems so insignificant. One piece is red, another is blue or green, another shining, another sharp yellow. Some look precious, others are ordinary. Some look valuable, others worthless. Some look gaudy, others delicate. We can do little with them as individual stones except compare them and judge their beauty and value. But when all of these little stones are brought together in one big mosaic, portraying the face of love, who would have ever questioned the importance of any single one of them? If, any, if one of them, even the least spectacular one, is missing, the face of love is incomplete. 
And together in one mosaic, each little stone is indispensable and makes a unique contribution to the glory of God, which is what we at Sacred Heart, that community, that fellowship is what we're about making visible to the world. I love that quote. That was well said. I'm glad it's going to be included in this episode. And But Erica, now, um, you know, y- you have joined Warren. Obviously, this is a topic that's of interest to both of you, and clearly it's important in the work you do. Um, you crafted a blog, a blog specifically to um, draw in other members of the community. It deals with a variety of topics, but what I know for sure is that each moment you make yourself a little bit vulnerable um, for in the in the blog topic uh, what are you what are you finding that this is teaching you about girls and maybe let's start with why did you create the vehicle so I really created the blog as an opportunity to continue the conversations at home so what's once a month what I do is I send an email home to families and let them know what's taking place in PD the speakers I'm bringing in the topics that we're having and at the end of the email I always sign off with and I hope you continue these conversations at home because let's be honest in an hour, once every eight days, I'm not going to be able to accomplish everything that I want to do over the course of the year. However, I think it's important for parents to know that we're partners and that they should be having these conversations with their daughters at home. So I'm kind of hoping that their daughters come home. They say, this is what we discussed in Ms. Rath's class today. I still have questions. I want to talk to you about it. What was it like for you growing up when you talked about this topic? And, And so on and so forth. The blog was really a chance for parents to read about how I'm feeling about something or what I'm seeing, what I'm noticing, or maybe what I was inspired by. My last blog was uh, inspired by Warren's uh, article. And then maybe reading it with their daughters or reading it to them and then having a conversation. Um, I started the blog about three years ago and it was very general at the time, my opinions, my concerns, what I was seeing. And then as I've gotten more comfortable and maybe found my voice, like you said, Trudy, definitely becoming more and more vulnerable. Um, I talk a lot about my experiences in high school and how hard it was for me and how I feel like I've been given a gift to come back to high school um, and maybe help girls uh, change a little bit more uh, without me physically being back in high school as a student. And now I, I have my voice and I'm confident to do that. But really, I feel that uh, there's there's power in stories and there's power in community and, and in sharing. And if we are vulnerable and we take the time to hear each other's stories, then there can also be less judgment because now we know who people are. Without stories, without all of that, there definitely will be judgment because we're just making assumptions and, and seeing what's on the outside instead of really hearing what's on the inside. I heard you mention another theme we're going to come back to community um, and, and, the, and the power of community. Both you and Warren have mentioned that. But also, I also heard you talk about the power of storytelling. Uh, so, um, Warren, you used a bit of a different approach. I, I know you do some blogging as well, but you, got, you uh, intentionally wrote an article. And why, why that article? What inspired you? What's it led you to understand? Well, so I've been in swimming for, gosh, I guess like 25, 30 years to date myself a little bit. And so certainly been around the topic of body image, um, you know, subconsciously and consciously for a long time. And I've had many conversations about this live in person with parents, with friends, um, and I just needed to get it down in one place. Um, where it was easily accessible. Um, And so that's why I wanted to write this article. The issue of girls in swimsuits and their anxiety around it kept coming up in our curriculum. 
Um, for the past eight years, we've been forming things at Sacred Heart around our pool, and I really wanted to address it in one place, incorporating voices uh, from excerpts of other swimmers and teachers and coaches from around the country, um, as well as people at our school um, and swimmers who had similar feelings. And so, um, you know, I really had a good time with this. It was a period of probably about four to six months where I met with a lot of people, um, spoke with swimmers and non-swimmers, and, and really did feel like there were three faulty mindsets uh, that needed to be addressed, which were, number one, wearing skimpier bathing suits is, is cool. You know, and, and that's not necessarily cool. That's, you know, something that you feel comfortable in um, is what's important. Uh, secondly, this faulty mindset that thinness equals perfection, and that well, thirdly, perfection is attainable, which, which those are not the correct mindsets we want to be teaching our young girls. Um, and so, you know, meeting with people, uh, both the faculty, staff, uh, and even my fellow coaches and students, and helping reinforce that everyone's body is different and unique and beautiful and that it's important to find a support system, um, whether friends or family members or faculty and staff, that can help you uh, move into more acceptance of yourself. Whoa. I, I, I say that because I, I just I wish I'd had a uh, swim teacher like you when I was coming of age. And so um, our listeners can get a feel for your style and approach. Um, Warren, I'm, I'm going to ask you, and then I'm going to ask Erica uh, to, to read um, some excerpts. And as we do, I, I want our listeners to know that I am going to provide the access information to these articles. So you'll be able to get the link to Warren's article, and you'll be able to get the link to Erica's blog. So uh, you can listen carefully now and know that you can read it in whole as uh, at your leisure. So Warren, um, go for it. Uh, read a couple of paragraphs. Appearing on deck in a tight bathing suit with lines and busts on display for all to see can stir fear in even the most advanced student in a class. Like students who learn at different paces, bodies develop on different timelines. Some girls develop breasts quicker, others have periods earlier, and still others have hair that doesn't fit into traditional swim caps. There is a fear in not just the unknown in ourselves, but the unknown in others. The temptation is to compare and contrast with friends what we look like in bathing suits, or perhaps worse, to scrutinize one's appearance against the sculpted bodies of professional athletes or filtered images on magazine covers or social media. The fear of being judged and to be found lacking is palpable around the pool. Today, we want our girls to feel empowered to try new things, brave new adventures, and cherish their personal sense of femininity. Uniqueness is good and our bodies are temples to be honored and enjoyed. We all want to own that joy, and teachers and coaches in particular commit their professional lives to helping youth grasp a fulfilled life. It is okay to not like swimming, but it is not okay to not like yourself. And by approving of ourselves in vulnerable situations, for example, in swimsuits, we will accept ourselves in many other life endeavors. Body image is a pressing issue, not just in the swimming world, but in our consumer culture in general. Growing into one's body can be traumatic for every adolescent, but especially for the girls going through tremendous bodily changes. This trauma can keep girls from, one, learning the life-saving skill of swimming, and two, enjoying a lifelong wellness activity. I just know that Erica is going to want to comment on uh, what she's just heard you say. First of all, I mean, just hearing you read it instead of me reading it just is such a different effect. It kind of, you know, gives me the shivers just because 
I, I actually used to be on the swim team growing up. And uh, I have to say, reading your article, you know, brought me back to how uncomfortable I felt on the deck. And there were often times where I would go into the locker room and I'd say, okay, forget it. I'm not doing this today. And I'd go to the, the little cafe and, and order fries and a sandwich with a friend and we'd skip swim team because it was just too much to handle. So I, I feel, first of all, that you're really saying what everyone's feeling, but you're actually putting it out there for all, all to hear and, and see, which I think is the first step. Also, you know, I think it's so true. We're always critiquing our bodies instead of realizing just how great they are, all the am- amazing things that our bodies can do for us. Um, and I, I, I think about how if I had a swim coach who is half as understanding and supportive as you, then, then maybe I wouldn't have missed swim team as often as I did. Um, just to have that conversation about how uncomfortable I was. So I think what's amazing is that your students clearly know that you're accessible and supportive, um, and they are just going to feel more comfortable going out on the deck, knowing that you've had these conversations and everyone um, is aware of it. I think that's so important. All right. Turnabout is fair play. Erica, uh, you get to read some of your blog now and we'll hear Warren react to that. So pick a piece that you uh, know created some conversation with your girls and off we'll go. Sure. So this blog was uh, about confidence and how we can actually help our daughters and our students to become more confident women. So I wrote, girls do not take as many risks as boys because they are scared of failing. And this fear doesn't only hinder them in school. It holds them back in life. We need to think about our role in this and what we can do to help. We need to focus less on their achievements and praise their efforts no matter the outcome. We need to alleviate some pressure and focus on our daughter's well-being while making them feel that they are enough just the way they are, not smarter, not thinner, not anything, just as they are now. I've learned that the students really like it when I engage in conversations and lay the cards on the table. We talk about worst-case scenarios and I let them play those out. But I also share mistakes that I've made, such as failing a math test and worrying about how my parents would react. The question I've learned to ask is, can you live with that? Usually the answer is yes. And often students realize that the worst thing that can happen isn't as bad as they thought. Maybe we need to have more conversations like these so that these chats become normalized and a part of our everyday lives. We need to remind ourselves that embracing failure is just as important as embracing success. We are all enough just as we are. Well said. Warren, as you hear that, thoughts and reactions. I certainly uh, love the idea of embracing failure. I think that's something that I try to drive home with my pre-K students all the way through 12th grade is it's okay to not be okay. That is okay. Talk to me about your feelings. What, what are you most scared about with the water? Um, and, and understanding, even as adults, like we fear failure. Um, and there are issues that we need to be able to work through and wrestle with with that. Um, but failure is okay. Um, being a sports fan, you, you hear coaches uh, often after failures and losses talk more about what they can learn um, from risking and, and, and falling short than even the wins and the achievements. So thank you for uh, helping us alleviate the pressure uh, from girls to have to be perfect, um, to help them understand that, that they are enough. And, and in my office, there is a painted picture from one of my friends that just is a heart with the words enough in it. And I think that if we could remind ourselves of that daily, um, the confidence that we would take into the world um, w- would just change things. 
Erica, you, you mentioned in your, your reading there um, that uh, oftentimes a girl's sense of herself like this can get in her way. And I'm wondering um, if you can talk a little bit about how a girl's sense of how she fits into her own body um, could inhibit her ability to flourish and invest energies on becoming her best self. Uh, you've already shared some language that you sometimes use in, in uh, some of your work, but is there something specific that you say around the issues of body image, particularly as girls are transitioning from girlhood to womanhood? Sure. I mean, I think most of the conversations that we have are incredibly open, you know, very open-ended questions, nothing closed, lots of dialogue, a creation of safe environment, um, small groups. And of course, we never uh, force any students to participate. You know, my office is is right beside uh, the study hall, which uh, houses uh, desks for all the students. And so I'm really right in the midst of their environment. And I'm not, you know, closed off or, or somewhere far away. I'm somewhere where they can always pop by. Um, but I'm also very aware of, of my own uh, strengths and weaknesses. I, I'm not a personal counselor. I'm not, I'm not a psychologist. And so I'm here to listen and, and talk and talk about what it was like for me and, and give some suggestion or advice. But um, I'm very big on referring when a student is feeling, you know, they need a little bit more. Um, I, I think, you know, just going back to what Warren was saying, you know, that he's taught at co-ed schools and, and so have I, I think there's just such a difference in the way girls want to talk when there are no boys around. It's so much freer and they're not worried about who's listening and Who's gonna, you know, throw it back in their face? It's the the locker room conversation, or the or they're walking with their books to their to their classes. I I can just tell you, it's just it's so free, and I think there's a lot of freedom within the girls to express how their feelings, and they're never shut down or put down for having those feelings. So I think from a really young age, when they come into this school and they start these classes, which let's be honest, are are quite unique. PD is a very unique class. Um, they right away understand that it's a safe place and a place where they can talk. Um, so I feel really fortunate that that our school uh, offers this class because I think it's very important. Um, and it's not just sitting in an office with an adult. Now you're sitting in a classroom with your peers and you're sharing how you feel. Or maybe you're scared a little bit at the beginning because you're in grade seven and you just started high school. But then, you know, a month later, you're thinking, OK, other students are opening up. I should too. I might get something out of this. And I think the reward of putting yourself out there is uh, is much greater than closing yourself off. I'm interested because um, as you talk about that, you are a woman talking to girls and you've set up an environment where this can happen naturally, where the girls can have conversations over a period of time and go back and revisit uh, some of those conversations, some of those topics. And I'm guessing that as you get to know them better, more emerges uh, as over the years. And so, Warren, I'm curious, you mentioned this earlier. Um, as a man, have you learned that there are ways that you have to speak differently or communicate differently because your audience are girls? And if so, what have you learned as a man that enables you to have better conversations in this regard? 
So certainly, I am constantly reminded that I am not a woman, um, and, and and I'm also not a mother. Um, I don't have parents, and so sometimes those two things um, are presented to me as a disadvantage, and be like, well, who are you to speak on these things because you're not a parent and you're not a woman. You don't understand. Um, but I think that in an age and a history where men have used power over women in very unhealthy ways, I can actually be a positive male vo voice and influence uh, in these girls' lives. Um, and, and they need both, right? Um, you know, I think that it's very important for me as a man to recognize my limitations. There are just certain things that I cannot speak to, and that is okay. But for me to practice empathy the best that I can, to communicate respectfully with discretion, and to lean on my female colleagues for support. Erica mentioned that sometimes you cannot tackle a situation with a student on your own. I see that a lot, especially on the pool deck. I cannot go into the locker rooms and deal with some of the things the girls are dealing with there. Uh, but I aim to validate the feeling and experiences that my students have, hoping that they can hear a, you are okay and you are good uh, from a male voice. And, and, and reviewing you know, information and research for this article, I found uh, something written in 2013 with The Atlantic um, that noted that actually age or maturity and personality uh, often have more to do with connecting with students than necessarily gender. Um, and certainly there are claims out there that boys learn better from boys and girls can learn better from girls. You know, I, I don't really buy into that, otherwise I wouldn't be working at, at Sacred Heart. Um, but I really do believe that by recognizing my limitations um, and practicing vulnerability that, that I can still inspire that uh, in the girls' lives and still make a positive impact. Erica, I'm intrigued by what Warren just said. And because you work so clearly across all grade levels, I'd love to have you comment on what he said in regards to um, age and maturity being useful tools in this conversation or even, you know, gender uh, thoughts that you have in reaction to what he said. Sure. First, I, I completely agree with Warren. I, I do want to say, yes, I, I am a female, but I'm I'm not a parent either. And so when I write my blog, it's really from the perspective of me being an educator at this school and, and working with 200 plus students uh, for now over 25 years in education. So I think there's a different dynamic. Um, I I don't see things necessarily from a parent's perspective, which I think gives me a much more objective point of view. Um, I see girls at a different part in their life. Um, I'm not at home with them. They're not as comfortable with me as they are with their parents, and, and that should be the case. Um, but we have a different kind of relationship, um, which I, I really respect. And I feel that... Um, Gender doesn't really have anything to do with it. I think Warren really touched upon, you know, like empathy and respect and vulnerability and being trustworthy. So I feel like those are really important and I don't think it matters who you are. Um, I, I do, though, think that there are some sensitive topics sometimes that we talk about where what I try to do is make the group smaller so that girls, if they want to chat, they don't have to think about putting their voice out in front of 40 students, we'll bring it down to groups of 10. I think the numbers are more important than who it is per se. Um, and so basically when I talk with younger grades, because they're shyer, they're just coming out of elementary school, we do a lot of more uh, things that are like activity-based. So they kind of, I, I can't, they kind of, they're learning, but they're learning through an activity and they, and they don't have to just say, I don't have to say, so what do you think? And then, you know, you wait for the, the hands to be raised. And of course, nobody wants to raise their hand. And instead, they're doing like little group work together. Um, and then 
older grades, obviously they want more discussion. They want to have the discussion where they're like talking to their big sister and they're looking to someone for advice, but it feels really authentic and just a genuine conversation. Um, Often the older grades are leading those conversations. I'm not necessarily bringing in the topics. They're kind of saying what they want to talk about. Um, But also as they get older, we're planning for life outside the walls of Sacred Heart. And what's that going to look like once they graduate? I mean, it's so exciting, but it's, it's, there's a lot of anxiety, like, oh my God, I'm leaving secondary school, the the nest, and I have to go and do this a bit more on my own now. So yes, we're having conversations about body image and, and, and peer pressure and um, other things, but we're also kind of getting them ready to like, to leave and, and, and be young, independent women who are ready for the next step which is so exciting. That's terrific. I know both of you are passionate about getting this right for girls. Um, You've developed your approach through your experience. One of the goals of this podcast is to leave parents with some tools or language they can put to use in their dialogues with their girls. I'd love it if each of you would share three key takeaways that have helped you make headway with girls on the topic of um, body image. Erica, let's start with you. Sure. So I think it's more about how you do it and not and less about what is said per se. So the first and foremost is just listen. I mean, just be here to listen. Someone wants to come in and just rant and rave about what's going on. So listen and, and give them a place that they can they can talk. The second would be help them understand their feelings. Sometimes, you know, we we often mix up like anger and sadness and frustration and anxiety, and it all comes to a head and, and there's tears and, and we don't really know what we're really feeling. So kind of maybe walking students through so that they can understand and put like a name to their feelings, or I'm feeling this because of what's going on in my life, but saying, what is that thing, you know, really addressing it. Um, and then the third is, you know, to empathize and 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 just be there, like I said, to listen. Um, and let them know that it's okay to not be okay. We all have good days and bad days, and they don't define who we are. Um, we don't measure uh, our success uh, at the end of the week based on how many good or bad days we had. And just that high school can be challenging at times. And to let them know that we've gone through it and we made it out on the other side. And um the lessons that we learn in high school, and I guess, I mean, I speak from experience, I think who I was then really shaped who I am now. And it actually helped me find my passion and what I want to do. So without maybe the challenges and the struggles that I had in high school, I might not be who I am today. You are precisely right. Um, I can I can make the same claim that who I was in high school is not who I am today, but thank goodness I had the challenges I had in high school. I love that message. Um, Warren, your takeaways? First off, we at Sacred Heart uh, continue, at, uh, you know, in New York, are continuing to find ways to meet girls where they're at uh, on the pool deck. Um, and that really comes through flexibility. And so my first takeaway comes from find a swimsuit, for my students specifically, find a swimsuit that makes you feel comfortable. Um, so we actually offer board shorts, 
um, water shirts, um, all different types of swimsuits that the middle school swimmers can wear when they come to swim class. Uh, whatever they can uh, wear to get wet and to be healthy and have a positive outlook on themselves, we want to encourage that. So flexibility of swimsuit, also flexibility of activities. Uh, I fully understand that not everyone's cup of tea is staring at a black line swimming back and forth, right? So let's find you an activity in the pool that you love. It could be water polo, synchronized swimming. Um, you know, there's many other ways to enjoy water water-based recreation than just swimming laps and you know as you said it's a life-saving skill so it's okay to not like swimming per se but you have to learn how to support yourself in the water it is something that it will take you very far in life uh, your identity is more than your activity or your swimsuit that's first secondly Eric already mentioned it vulnerability it is okay to not be okay so I constantly say this no matter what level I'm teaching it is okay to have feelings that are hard all of our feelings and experiences are welcome here at Sacred Heart and we want to remind you that you are accepted and loved just the way you are let's talk through this together you are not alone uh, and then lastly community that we are in this together that um, you, you cannot isolate yourself um, when you are struggling when you're having hard feelings when you don't want to swim when you come to the pool deck and you say I'm just not going to get in we're not going to sit you in the corner and give you something else to do you're still going to be a part of the class somehow on the pool deck thank you both for affirming how wonderful Sacred Heart does its work around creating educational communities that are there to ensure our girls come out whole and healthy in every way imaginable. And finally, as we conclude our conversation, I want to turn to Megan Murphy, the Executive Director of NCGS, who spent time recently visiting with girls and teachers at girls' schools in Great Britain and Spain. Megan, what were some of your takeaways from those conversations? I have to say, Trudy, it was wonderful to meet with member girls' schools in London, Cambridge, and Barcelona recently. And I think that my first takeaway is that girls' schools share many more similarities around the world than they share differences. I think that girls' schools are spaces of community and collaboration. I think that they're places that are deeply dedicated to equity and inclusion and are characterized as places of innovation, leadership, and opportunity for girls. And I think what girls' schools do so very exceptionally well is to cultivate self-efficacy and agency among girls. And I actually heard this in the way that students talked about climate, especially on the heels, Trudy, of the COP26 UN Climate Change Conference that was held recently in Glasgow. The girls I met were deeply concerned about eco-justice. They are eager, I think, to be climate change makers, and they feel this sense of urgency, perhaps even eco-anxiety, to begin that difference-making immediately. And I think that the educators at our girls' schools, they really understand this. And they are fostering agency among their students by making sure that they're developing real-world classroom and co-curricular opportunities for girls to explore climate science and change-making, not tomorrow, but right now, today. Thank you, Megan. It's always interesting to learn what you are learning about girls and their needs. This has been the fifth episode of On Educating Girls. As always, we would love to hear from you with thoughts and suggestions to inform our conversations. Please send comments or questions to podcast at girlschools.org. And join us next time as we provide insights, information, 
and resources you can put to use. Thanks for listening. It's important to the girls in your lives that you do.